The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Eric Horseman and Andy Bensley from Genelec. Welcome. Hi. Thank you, Thank, you. Thank you very much for, for, for being on. Um, we Well, Genelec, we've got loads to talk about, but I think we should start with specifically with you, with yourselves. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do at Genelec, and uh, how you come to be at Genelec, what your background in audio is? Um, can we go to, to Eric first? Tell us about Eric. Sure. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. My name is Eric. I work for Genelec since November 2018. I'm based in Berlin, Germany. And uh, prior working for Genelec, I was um, I was a product specialist at Avid and um, working for uh, the EMEA department, uh, showing Pro Tools, Essex, all the immersive workflows. And uh, before that, my history was in post-production. I was uh, lucky enough in 2012 to be responsible for the first uh, the first German Dolby Atmos mixing stage at Rotor Film, which was in a theatrical phase of Dolby Atmos, and uh, but that basically describes pretty well my background post music, but mainly immersive workflows. Mm. Excellent, excellent. I mean, I. I I featured on the blog relatively recently. Uh, I featured um, uh, one part of a whole immersive series of videos that you've done uh, mm -hmm. f for Genelec. And uh, if anyone wants to know about this stuff, and especially if you, if you want to get some orientation, if you want just like a primer that's going to bring you in and up to speed on exactly what this stuff's about if you're new to it, really recommend it. Good job on those, Eric. So yeah, Thank you very much. Uh, that was the plan, just to give a rough <laughs> overview um, without going into too much detail. I mean, we could talk weeks and weeks on things but just giving a broad overview about uh, mm. something what's I, going on. Something I really liked about it is that um, it's quite easy to uh, to take uh, immersive as, as just being a synonym for, for Atmos but sure. it's not. There's more to immersive than that, and I mean, uh, and just because Atmos is the the one that uh, that's getting the most attention, uh, there are other ways of doing it. And you and you refer to that that other stuff, the the Oro three D, the yeah. uh, you know those other ways of doing things. Anyway, um, that was getting dangerously close on uh, getting into content before we do <laughs> kind of like intros. But Andy, Andy, tell us a bit about yourself, um, uh, who you are, how you come to be where you are. So I'm Andy Bensley. I work for Genelec, convenient enough for this podcast. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a good start. Um, so I've been with Genelec uh, since May of 2019. Um, and before that, I was working for about seven or eight years for the UK distributor for Genelec. So my background was really a lot of customer-facing stuff, kind of heading out, calibrating systems, and really getting a feel for for kind of how people were using the system. So I've kind of seen the development from how we used to do things to how we do things now. Um, kind of before bef before I was kind of working with Genelec, I was a front of house engineer, monitor engineer. So I spent many, many years out on the road kind of touring with bands. And then before that, I had a bit of a studio background as well. Um, so kind of the usual route into things, I suppose. A little bit of everything. And then yeah, you kind yeah. of and find a home for yourself, you know? Very much so. That's that's yeah. qu quite a, quite a parallel with my with my yeah. backstory, which started off in a studio, and then uh, before I starved through lack of funds, I realised that you got paid more doing live sound and and did quite a bit of that. And doing... it was kind of, yeah, yeah, it was kind of that assumption of like, oh, you, you can do band things, so you can do live, right? And you just kind of <laughs> find yourself out in front in front of a console, and you realise it's very different. 
Yes. It's kind of, it's uh, very much the Wild West compared to... Especially monitors. I, I wrote a piece on the blog recently about how monitor engineers clearly have all got a screw loose to just kind of a masochistic streak because, uh, yeah, uh, just doing one mix? Nah. But, no. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of very much of that, that thing of like earning your stripes. You know, you kind of had a period of like two or three years of doing that and then trying to trying to kind of graduate the front of house as soon as possible. <laughs> but there are those people who stick around on there because they like it and they're the ones who always, I always think, really? Okay. You just, uh. Anyway, anyway, we're not talking about that today. We're talking about Genelec. And um, what about the history of the company with in terms of sort of uh, maybe some of the milestone products? Because, I mean, we're all familiar with, with Genelec today, but uh, Genelec is, is hardly a new, new brand. Um, so, um, I don't know, maybe Andy, tell us, tell us. Well, there's one thing I often think about. I mean, like we, we, we kind of go and, I mean, Eric and I go and speak to speak to customers and, and there's an element where you kind of talk about the history. And and for us, the history is so, so important because because you kind of look at the, 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 the kind of the owners of the company now, it's still family owned, you know? Mm. So there's a lineage that kind of goes right back to, what we say, 1978, um, if we kind of look at the first like official product releases. And there's a lot of parallels there between kind of the first product and the requirements from Finnish Broadcast. And they were to have to design an active loudspeaker that would give consistency across a facility. And that's essentially what we do day in, day out now. You know, if we're kind of talking about large broadcasters, studios, education facilities, we want consistency in every room. And it's like, it's, it's as true then as it is now. All right, budgets have changed. The makeup of the rooms has changed. The speaker complement has changed, but it's still very much we can kind of remain true to true to the to the the kind of foundations of the company, which is I always think is quite cool. And I mean, active. Genelec were doing active products from way back in the day, weren't they? Am I, am I right in saying that? For, yeah, like the first the first product, so the S thirty, which was launched in nineteen seventy eight, was it was kind of it was directly from a customer request when nobody else was really offering kind of active loudspeakers that could be produced on a on a scale, you know? Mm. Um, and I think the, the S30 went through to about 1992, so it was like 14 years of that being in production. Right. And that's something that's kind of stuck with us. I think <laughs> there's times where we're often in competition with ourselves sometimes, you're speaking to customers and they're like, no, I'm quite happy the system's still still kind of still going, we can still get it serviced, we're going to stick with it. Um, so kind of when we start talking about sustainability, a lot of our products tend to have this long life, not only mm. in terms of of them being serviceable, but the fact that we tend not to change horses too often, you know, stuff that stuff generally stays stays current for uh, for many years. Mm. I, I can see the uh, the sense in um, uh, if you're looking for consistency um, mm. and, and delivery across units and across rooms, then having the amplification built in it brings it under the control of the speaker designer rather yeah. than it depends what's driving it and it makes it makes perfect sense if that's what you're trying to do I suppose that was definitely a core a core principle that we that we want as much control over the design I mean we we a fundamental part of what we do is we have the ability after 45 years of, of designing loudspeakers to be able to get it right under controlled conditions that's not an issue but what happens when you get it out in the, into the wild? Yeah. So in terms of educating people about positioning, about the ability to be able to compensate in terms of either with analog filters or with kind of some of the more sophisticated methods we have now with GLM, that, that kind of thing, it, it all kind of stems from the original customer requirements that we had back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, makes sense, makes sense. You touched on um, uh, sustainability. Now, um, we're all aware of the environmental responsibilities that customers have. And Genelec... I think are a positive 
case here, just because they're definitely one of those companies which come to mind when you're thinking about that. Um, something, I mean, uh, all aluminium enclosures, for example. I mean, that's we see that echoed in, say, Apple products, who stopped using plastic and went to aluminium. I'm assuming not just because of the thermal behaviour, but also because of the inherent recyclability of that material. The one that really jumped out at me was the offer of the raw finish uh, on 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 speakers, which was uh, which was just no paint. <laughs> and sure. I thought, oh, fair enough, actually. Paint's nasty stuff. It's made of all sorts of terrible things. And uh, presumably it messes up the... Uh, yeah, th- examples there. I, it's a very long time since I've uh, unpacked a, a boxed Genelec product. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know what the uh, what the what that kind of packaging's like. But tell us about that. I know it's something that Genelec take very seriously. I don't know who, who's, who's, who's best placed to, to talk can, to that. I can take that yeah, if you okay, want. Okay, Eric, yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned the raw speaker. I mean, the raw models are basically the, just the, the tip of a spear. And basically, this is just the product mm. that lights out to the people our sustainable approach. But it goes way, very deep into the into every single element of our production chain, of our um, component sourcing and everything. So we know exactly what the carbon footprint is of all our products, of all our processes, of mm. basically <laughs> down to every piece of paper that we use, more or less. We know exactly what the um, sustainable outcome is of this and what, what we're actually trying to do here. So this is, I mean, the products reflect what the whole company is basically about. Mm. It's just, it's just uh, what, what makes it visible to the audience and to everybody in the field. But every process in the company has been monitored for sustainability um, very deeply. And I think Andy can agree on this. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny, it's kind of the, the, the last, last time we visited the factory was, I think, when was that? About a couple of months ago. Yeah, it was just end, end of, of August. September, yeah. End of August. And it had been a while since we'd been there because of COVID and, mm. and everything like that. But you kind of walk around there and, you, and the changes um, that have been made in every single inv- department, everybody in the company is invested in the cause. It's like you kind of look at the way that things are revamped in terms of the layout of the factory. And it will be for a number of reasons, but the core principle behind it will be sustainability. And then you find out there's a number of other kind of good reasons behind that as well. I mean, it's like if you take take it's like the like Eric was saying about the the raw finishes, it's kind of a, it's an it's an, an, a statement a very easy statement for us to make, but then commercially it's turned out that that's very popular. People really like that finish, and it becomes a cool thing. Mm. You know, I think for many years it's very difficult to get people on board talking about sustainability and and the carb, carbon footprint of products. Whereas now I think things are changing, but to have statements like that that, are, that, are, that people adopt mm. and accept, it's 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 nice. It kind of feels like it's coming full circle now, and people are kind of kind of much more willing to adopt and listen to it as well. Mm. Kind of listen to our story and kind of listen yeah. to to what we're what we're doing. If all that was behind that uh, that environmental proposition was was not putting paint on your on your products that then there'd be nothing underneath it'd be a terrible case mm. of greenwashing but uh it must be quite uh quite attractive to uh, to clients who want to communicate and kind of like benefit from that uh, environmental responsibility and have some kind of cool post-industrial sort of raw finish will probably go very well with quite, quite a few design choices being made i can see it's win-win yeah we, we, we see that we say that within install products i mean the the, the raw finish kind of going into into gyms and kind of anywhere that's got exposed brick perfect that's great yeah but the one of the real considerations now is it's 
there's a lot there's a lot of um, initiatives and there's a lot of processes we put in place that were kind of really ahead of the curve. I mean, you kind of go back through our history of, of when we began, we began to implement this. This mm. kind of goes back like decades. And what we're seeing now is, is that, hey, we thought it would be a good idea for our products to consume less power, to be a little bit more intelligent when they're not needed. Mm. And guess what? People really listen to that now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Funny that. In, the, in the current climate, <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of these things that that, that now kind of really resonate with people. And we were we see we were doing that a, a long time ago. The nice thing is is when you present this to, to people. Say for example, if if it's if we're working with a facility where you're talking about the monitoring going into the hundreds and mm. the cost of each individual individual unit running costs suddenly becomes a really big issue. How do you heat it? How do you cool it? Um, and when you can kind of present them with a whole raft of um, kind of initiatives and, and, and ideas that we, I mean, this, it, this is kind of the foundation of the company, really. It's kind mm. of, it's, it's, it's absolutely one of the core pillars. And when people see that, oh, this is not, we're not paying lip service to this. This is kind of a fundamental part of what we do. Mm. They kind of resonates with them and they kind of go, hey, I think we've, we're kind of working with a partner that, that we can that we can comfortably work with for many many years, you know, um, and it's exciting. It's mm. great. No, it's, I think, I'm I think 100 percent behind it because it's definitely something that uh, that I, th I think all brands need to uh, need to make more noise about what they're doing and pay attention to things that they're not doing. Certainly, as somebody who takes products out, demonstration products out of enormous amounts of packaging, I'm so right. aware <laughs> of the packaging this stuff comes in and how some companies do it well and some companies aren't really trying. And you don't really kind of hear about that. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit achoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. We should we should stop talking about about that uh, because I really want to talk about um, uh, well Eric we've got you immersive is a huge growth area for speaker manufacturers I mean it's it's for, for people who are who are who are getting the installs and and uh, preferred solutions it, it must be kind of must be sort of like manufacturing Christmas but um, <laughs> <laughs> but the SAM products combined with uh, GLM and the grade reporting um, I can really see how these developments and we should probably unpack those and talk about what they are all kind of work together to make something that's difficult to do um less difficult <laughs> um so i mean let's let, let's have a look at let's have a look at how it works i've managed to correctly uh correctly say glm because i've got a habit of of saying gml which <laughs> is a totally different thing and uh <laughs> anyway i'll leave that hanging um so some products glm grade reporting particularly grade reporting because that's kind of like the newest of those three things mm. um so uh, yeah um, what's the deal? How do they work? How can they help you? What do they do? What do they achieve? Uh, Eric? So, so starting basically with the SAM products, which are around since 2006, I guess, stands for Smart Active Monitors, which may be, which just, uh, well, it's, a, it's an acronym for speakers that can adapt to your acoustic environment using DSPs and calibration technologies. Um, GLM, which is the General Loudspeaker Manager, and um, which is our software 
package that is used to control the speakers and to talk to the speakers and set the filters correctly within the speaker. And the grade is, the, as you said, it's the newest addition to this family, which stands for Genelec uh, Room Acoustic Data Evaluation. That's a pretty snappy. Well yeah, <laughs> I, just, I, just did, I, I did a presentation last week and I was referring to this as well and I saw it on a big screen, so I, I remembered this. And um, yeah, so this... Um, Is there going to be a glossary with this, Julian? <laughs> we, we, do, we, do, we do love an acronym in this company, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But if there's, yeah. a if there's a glossary there that would that would help the listeners. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> Basically, um, all these three elements, SAM, GLM, and GRADE, help us massively to get proper immersive monitoring systems um, out of the door. First of all, we have to have a speaker that can adapt to the acoustic environments. And with immersive, having the biggest thing is that you're not um, setting up only two speakers kind of interacting with the room, you have to set up yeah, 10, 12, 14, 16 speakers that have to interact with the room. So it's even more important than before to calibrate those speakers so the immersive sound field actually works. Um, GLM helps us drastically for this because with that we can talk to the speakers, we can set the filters correctly. But what we do, I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty known, but I'm not getting tired of uh, repeating this. We're not only doing... Um, um, frequency response calibration. We're also doing volume calibration and time of flight. Mm. And I think time of flight is the most crucial mm. thing for immersive environments and speaker setups to really work because then you can really hear what's going on in your room because every speaker has to hit the listening position at the same time with the same volume and ideally with the best frequency um, aligned uh, frequency response at mm. the end of the day. And the great report basically is a little PDF. Well, little is... <laughs> it's quite big. <laughs> it's, it's, exactly. It's quite big. It's quite sophisticated. And uh, it depends on the amount of speakers that you're calibrating in your room. So during the calibration process, you can put in your room dimensions, length by width by height, which gives us the room volume. Because during the calibration, this little sweep that every speaker is playing back can tell us so much more than just the frequency response of a speaker in the place. It can give us so many information about room treatment, about the acoustic treatment, about RT60, about all kind of different things. And all these little um, information that we gather just with this little sweep, we put this in a very sophisticated PDF document, which is the great report that gets sent out after the calibration. This is not a document to... Um, basically um, to get rid of an acoustician, <laughs> which what I heard a couple of times from mm. some acoustician, but it shall give you a very well and good overview about the actual status quo of your monitoring environment, of your room, which you then can use to tweak things according to make it better. Because in this PDF, we are working with a, with a red, green and yellow colors, showing you very quickly which parameter is like within specs, which one is slightly off and which one is fair, far off. Mm. So it gives you a good information about, oh, look, there is maybe I have a little bit too high, um, basically, first reflections going on in my monitoring environment. So maybe I put up an, an absorber on some more um, places in the room. And uh, with this great report, we actually have a bunch of customers who then go to an acoustician and say, look, this is what it looks like right now. Let's work together on making the monitor system better 
and the whole room better. Uh, nice, Pracy. Uh, the thing that uh, that I wanted to pick up on that is you're talking about time of flight and the importance of uh, of, of delay, mm-hmm. just because uh, it, no matter how well matched your your speakers are, if uh, if time of flight is different, then all of that gets uh, significantly compromised, shall we say? Um, I mean, if for anyone who's never tried this, just 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 put the the shortest kind of like sample delay plug-in or something like that on your stereo monitors and just tap one in and see what happens and see what happens to the localization in particular. Now in a stereo system, you'll start to get start to get uh, delay based panning happening and things will move significantly. And things also sound a bit funky. But um, if you extrapolate that out and expand that into all of the phantom centres you have appearing appearing across uh, an immersive system, say 7.1.4, then there's all sorts of places you can be trying to place an object in an Atmos mix, for example, where there isn't a speaker. Um, I wrote a piece about this, actually, about uh, the the role of speaker density, and I think it's an important subject that's possibly not quite as well understood as it might be. Why it's it's good to have lots of speakers (laughs) and how it helps, but how the more speakers you have, the bigger your, your setup is and the more difficult it becomes to install and manage. So while it might be worth it, the process of getting there, which is really, I suppose, where I'm going with this is that this... Uh, was something that definitely made sense to me when I was hearing about grade reporting and looking at the new features in GLM and how all of that stuff works of how actually what it's doing is it's it's making it easier to make better installs. May I just add one little thing? So talking about time of flight, because for some people it's still a bit abstract time of flight, mainly for those who are working in stereo, because there you rarely kind of do a, mm. a delay kind of compensation of your speakers to your monitor, to your listening position. Yeah. But having immersive systems and having the need of placing monitors around you, but not necessarily on the position where they should go, mm. presuming there's a little door on the side or a window in your studio, or I mean, all kind of ergonomic reasons why you can't place a speaker where it should be from mm. the format, time of flight is actually crucial because you have to compensate for those misalignment, more or less, of speakers. Usually in, in, in immersive rooms, Atmos rooms, the side surrounds are fairly close to mm. the listening position. So with time of flight, you basically delay them to make them further away, to fake the position mm. acoustically. And I think that it's important to, to, to message this and to, to point this out, why this is so crucial to immersive systems. The world isn't perfect, and rooms no, aren't, aren't designed no. necessarily to <laughs> to be perfectly symmetrical and have. Um, I, I had this on uh, just on a uh, an install I did uh, a place that I used to work, and um, yeah, it's that thing about figuring out where you're going to put in this. I think it was a five one system, and then just looking around the room and going, well, we've we've got a door, and it's just things as simple as that can throw out the best laid plans. And what do you do about it? And yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, so we, we were talking about um, uh, speaker density. Um, I, who, who, who'd best best place to talk about that? I th- suspect that might be an Andy thing, actually. There's, but, there's, yeah. there's something kind of just to link into the previous question as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of talking about SAM and GLM and GRID. Another thing to throw in there, from my point of view, is just the inherent physical speaker design. I think it's a lot. A lot of the time, we kind of we we, we jump to SAM and GLM and GRID, but I don't think any of that means anything without the kind of the starting point of kind of mm. that loudspeaker in the room and how how it performs. And I think when we start talking about speaker density, one thing that always springs to mind with me is uh, is directivity control 
and the way that we control the dispersion of our loudspeakers. Mm. I think if you're kind of throwing more speakers in there can sometimes confuse matters. If you've just got this incredibly um, diffused propagation from a monitor, mm. what are you doing? Are you kind of, are you increasing the localization or are you kind of creating a sense of confusion? Because I think when you're talking about um, uh, phantom centers between sources, mm. Often when I'm kind of looking at these systems, when we're when we're setting up, I'm trying to kind of achieve a, a kind of a, a comparable um, level of imaging that I would find with a stereo system. So, what does it sound like between the right the the right the right front and the mm. right side? What does it sound with the right side versus the right rear? Mm. How can I kind of ensure that the a, the positioning is correct, um, but also in the lineup? And how does that marry up to the to the inherent design of the loudspeaker? You've got all of these individual factors that kind of sum up to this immersive experience. Mm. Um, and a big part of it for us, kind of originally with the the way that we designed like the 8000 series with that waveguide, but I think kind of now with the ones, this is kind of where we've been able to offer a great level of precision and control, um, either in the sweet spot or when you're kind of slightly off axis big part of it. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high-quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN-equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. Controlling the way sound exits from a loudspeaker uh, and, and balancing the contribution everything. of direct and indirect and absolutely control it because because once you kind of know that and you have some control over that, you can then start improve elements within the listening space, whether that be positioning, how you're mounting the system, how you're aiming the system, mm. uh, what how the acoustic treatment is kind of aiding that kind of direct to reflected sound, and it's it's all of these components together that allow you to 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 make these decisions on the calibration side to hopefully give you a system that gives you an obvious insight into your mixing. That's, mm. the, that's the idea of these, of these tools. It's kind of, if you place something, if you place an object in that space, can you, can you, can you define the size of it? Can you feel where that is? Can you really localize it? Does it feel real? Are mm. you convinced by it? Because at the end of the day, this is all an illusion. We're trying to create this illusion of being immersed within a space. And it's all of these little factors that that kind of add up to creating that. Well, that kind of leads awkwardly <laughs> onto um, the next thing I wanted to talk about, actually. And uh, time's getting on. We should we should definitely touch on this before we uh, before we close the show. And that's um, the subject of binaural, just because. Binaural is disproportionately important in certainly in, in um, atmosphere music, uh, um, more so than than post mixing. And we should always remember post mixing, mm. of course. But um, uh, for atmosphere music, then if we were to look at the data, I haven't seen numbers, but I, I think we can infer that the vast vast majority of atmosphere mixes are going to be being listened to in the binaural mix. Um, there's an interesting product that I certain, I, I've certainly got some experience of uh, from Janet, the uh, Oral ID product. W what is it and uh, how does it relate to binaural render? Because it's not something that's directly involved in the production of uh, the binaural mixes that consumers experience. Um, it's a slightly more different, slightly nuanced product. Eric, um, Oral ID, can you kind of uh, gist that to us, please? Right. So Oral ID basically describes... 
uh, well, it's a, it's a product from Genelec that shall help you to um, have a truthful reproduction of your mix on headphones. The reason why we do this is, is, um, is various. First of all, with more and more immersive formats, um, it is possible to listen to those formats, even though you don't have speakers in a binaural version. Mm. So we thought about this, um, taking this a bit further, it's not necessarily about immersive only, it can also help working in stereo. Because what we're trying to do with Oral ID is virtualize your, well, yeah, we are virtualizing speaker positions on your headphone reproduction. The way how it works is actually, it's no rocket science, because behind binaural reproduction, there is a, there is a process of creating an HRTF, which, is, which stands for head-related transfer function. Basically, this HRTF just describes how you personally perceive sound and 3D sound or in-room sound. Well, if something's playing behind you, you will hear it slightly delayed in your ears and slightly muffled because it's behind your ears. Whereas when something is coming from the left or the right side, you can clearly hear this because um, the sound is reaching one of your ears quicker than the other one. So all these basically, all this describes what is tried to be put into an HRTF. And we have come up with a, with a technology that allows you to create a little video of yourself, ideally by somebody who is filming you in 1.5 to 2.0 meter um, distance, moving slightly and slowly around your head, taking a, a bit more detailed um, video footage from each of your ears. And then you also take a, a little picture, a, a photo basically with a, with a little um, what's it called in English? I don't the know. Ruler. The ruler. Yeah, the ruler. Thank you. And uh, so we know exactly, basically, how how large is your ear. And this data has been used to process and create a virtual 3D set of your upper torso, because it's not only your head that is um, playing you. Um, well, that's that's relevant for um, the sound perception. It's actually also your chin, it's your neck, it's your upper body, basically. And mm. all these information has come into a 3D model. And we are um, yeah, processing this with 836 sound sources around the 3D head, more or less, which results in a personalized HRTF file. So that's basically the technical process that is taking place in the background. Mm. This HRTF file is then ready for you and can be inserted into a plugin. We also have an own plugin. Which is uh, used, uh, which can be used on all uh, in in all doors and all plugin formats, AX audio unit VST, and you can insert uh, the Oral ID HRTF file and then monitor as if you would sit in a calibrated speaker environment. Mm. One thing that's very important to Oral ID, it requires you to do a little bit of EQing to get to where you actually want to sound, that, that it sounds right to you. And one thing that's also very important, we are not adding any room information to this. I mean, many, many people in the market actually set, set the audience virtually into, I don't know, Abbey Road Studios or into Capital C or mm -hmm. any kind of virtualized room. This is something we are not doing because we want to take out the room information of the equation and we want to pre present you an um, as neutral as possible sound reproduction over headphones. And I think that's the biggest difference. And uh, the Oral ID technology can be brilliantly used in immersive technologies where you have maybe um, on-location recordings 
where you don't happen to set up a 714 speaker setup and you need to have a, a qualified um, reproduction system of a headphone. So that's one of the big um, things where we try to, uh, to place oral ID. Mm. It's um it's it's a product I've I've got experience of. Um, I I did it. I what I'd say my kind of like a user experience was that it's the best localization I've experienced. I mean, it's it's convincing height and rear and being able to yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, tonally there was some weird stuff, and uh, and. Th- EQing a, a little bit of judicious EQ sorted sorted most of that out. It it can be quite disorientating actually, um, trying to figure out you know what am I hearing? Is this me? Is this? But yeah. um, but the localization was amazing. The thing I think that um, certainly some people I spoke to about this product sort of maybe misunderstood is that it's seen very much as a tool for professionals that's supp- supplementary to uh, people who have access to a monitoring system but for whatever reason can't access it exactly. and want to continue to work. But it's not a substitute for uh, an immersive monitoring system, correct? Correct. That's exactly the point. We're not trying to get rid of speakers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that we, would we be a, to, a strange no, move. No, that would be a very strange move. No, it should, it should add a, a, a very um, yeah, precise monitoring system that when you can't access your studio, that's basically the idea. Yeah. And have you make it making you ready to continue your work if you're somewhere on the go, on location, uh, any anywhere, but not in your studio. Or you, there's one mix room and there's several projects, and you can do some work before you can get in because someone yeah, else is in something there. Like that this. kind yeah, of some, stuff. Yeah, do some prep work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, mm, absolutely. No, I mean very interesting products, and and uh, yeah, it's uh, um, the the setups. The setup and uh, and videoing was was very interesting, particularly because I haven't really got room to ta- make that video in my studio. So uh, yeah, um, uh, my my neighbours thought I looked rather odd, sat on a drum stool in the garden with my partner walking around while she was taking <laughs> videos of it. Yeah, whatever you know, whatever it takes. Um, uh, that's very interesting <clears throat> stuff. Um, uh, we're, time is getting away from us, um, but uh, a customary kind of like closing question when we've got people from a brand on is to ask them, uh, what, if anything, can you share about Genelec's plans for the future? Um, anything at all? I don't know. Ooh, that's, a, that's a, big, a big question. I suppose it, the, the obvious one for us is it's our 45th anniversary next year. So it's, there will be a number of celebrations, I think. I think there's going to be. I think we're going to be getting back out on the road, which yes. will be exciting. I know you're you're out at the minute, aren't you, Eric? You're doing the ones tour at the moment. We're doing the ones tour in, in the German-speaking countries right now. Yeah, um, but I imagine next year, with it being the anniversary, the, the, there's. I think there's a desire from us to kind of really get out and see customers again. I think that's something we're we're kind of getting back in the swing of things again at the moment. But I think next year that'll kind of that'll continue. Excellent. Um, so that's a big one for us next year. Nice one. Okay, well, um, that's that's all we've got time for. So we should uh, we should move along swiftly to, to find of the week. RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help. Reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. So, Andy, what's your find of the week? Um, I stumbled across something recently, which is I've kind of become a bit obsessed with. It's the like the new version of the roads. 
like the Mark Eight. Oh, okay. I I I've kept an eye on that campaign when they were doing the pre-release stuff. Okay. Have you seen one? Yeah, I was up when I was up at um, Synthfest a couple of weeks ago. Um, they were exhibiting, and there was a guy there. Um, is it Dan from 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 Rhodes? Just the most fabulous player that you like. It does everything that you would want on a Rhodes, and it's just like this thing sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, but just all like the clever stuff that they've thrown in there, like kind of all the Bucket Brigade stuff. Um, the Autopana sounds amazing. They've kind of really refined the key bed. I mean, I'm not even a keys player. Oh, this okay. is the thing. It's just like I've just <laughs> the sound of this thing. Just like yeah, that's something like a road you could live with. It's yeah, amazing. yeah. The key beds on old roads can feel feel their age. Well, it's certainly. like I'd, I'd never I'd never played a roads that felt the same. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like parallel to kind of guitars where you kind of every single one had its kind of quirks and it's kind of mm -hmm. it, was, it was funky in its own right. But yeah, this thing sounds fabulous and and it's like everything's built in Leeds as well, which is, is wild. It? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. There's kind of it was speaking to speaking to him about it. There's there's this kind of real um, they're kind of just super proud. I think everything is like built kind of proper artisan building. I think mm -hmm. the tines are made in Leeds, the felts are made in Lancashire, the hammers, all the plastic stuff's made in Huddersfield. I think it's it's all within within spitting distance of the factory. It's Incredible. I, I, I had no idea. I mean, I, I don't associate Rhodes pianos with, with, with Yorkshire, but there, yeah. there we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Eric, what about you? What's your find of the week? Well, I'm, 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 I'm a super immersive nerd, and as you might know, I do a bit of Dolby Atmos work as well. Um, I actually had my first... Um, touch point with uh, 360RA from Sony format last weekend. Mm. Ah. And I, I never paid attention to this uh, in more detail. I, I know how it works. I know the tools that are there. But I was, I was actually quite quite um, impressed about the tool set and uh, the sonic quality on headphones. So the binaural version on the 360RA, which actually I thought it's, it's getting somewhere. It's interesting, very nice. And uh, yeah. ha having the, having the, the perfect environment uh, checking versus Adobe Atmos mix, mm. That was uh, very interesting. Okay, right. so th this was uh, you, maybe you, maybe you said uh, w was this music or was it film content? Yeah, it was no, no, it was music. It was actually film music. Oh, okay, um, content. What um, sort of like orchestral or something? Or was yeah, it? exactly. Oh, it was orchestral stuff. There was there was I mastered it for Dolby Atmos, hmm. but then it gets released on Sony Music, and they obviously always ask for three sixty RA. And I thought, okay, let's let's try it. Let's let's try to get an Atmos mix into three sixty RA, and it it worked. And that was um, was probably not a, not a not a huge find of a week, but it was some find for me. Oh no! Basically, that, in that case, it qualifies. That's literally yeah, so it was all the workflow of the week. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention um, uh, Pure Mix uh, did a have done a new series uh, with Michael Brower about browerizing in the box, which is something I'd heard of and never really looked at that closely. I knew I knew roughly what it was, but the details were a bit sketchy. So I had to do a bit of research because I wanted to write an article about that, and it yeah presented all sorts of questions to me about what if and what and it got real sent me off on a real thought journey actually um and uh yeah trying to think my way around that process interesting stuff i'll i have to try at least elements of it at some point i mean it's uh i wonder whether people get uh get overly focused on the specifics of what michael does but that's changed mm. over time anyway mm. uh, but there's a principle underneath which is yeah which is interesting. So, yeah, that's uh, something that I spend a bit of time doing and will be my find of the week. So that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks to my guests, uh, Eric and Andy. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Production Expert Podcast. <laughs>